0: This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural non-toxic medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair utilizes a molecule called hypochlorous acid. When applied to the skin, the molecule works by mimicking the natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. We use active skin repair all the time in our household. We call it the magic spray. We use it for so many things, but it came in hot recently when Sage fell and busted open his lip, and we had our first trip to urgent care for stitches. And now, with all the bumps and scrapes that come with summertime, It is very much on the scene. In fact, Mila, my five-month-old, recently got a little cut on her finger and Sage noticed it first and he was like, Mama, I'll go grab the magic spray. He was so jazzed to be able to do it and help her and be a part of it. It's become a staple in our household. You can visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code VILLAGE. That's code VILLAGE for 20% off your order at activeskinrepair.com. You're listening to Voices of Your Village. This is episode number 50. Holy moly, guys, we made it to 50. That's insane. Also, it's the first one of the new year. Happy New Year, folks. We survived 2018. Hopefully, some of y'all were thriving in 2018, and now we get to crush 2019. I'm pretty jazzed. So we're gonna start off 2019 with a banger. This episode is so stinking good. I'll do my own horn over here, but really it's our guests. We are surrounded by diet culture. Healthy foods, non-healthy foods. Ugh, I wish I could eat that, but Oh my gosh, guys, it's everywhere. Even I think when we're trying to like be intentional or say the right thing, really it's laced a lot of the times with diet culture. And this is something that I personally have become more aware of, honestly, pretty recently. Of course, I had learned about like messaging and showing different bodies and all that jazz, but man... Following these two women and their journey and the way that they show up in the world has really changed the way that I'm trying to show up in the world and the way that I'm talking to myself, like in my own head. Since following these women, I have learned more about paying attention to my body and what it's saying. If it's craving something, cool, that's fine have it without shame or judgment. Honestly, a lot of the times I was eating something, but with shame or with judgment about it. And I've really learned to try and let go of that jazz and just listen to what my body's telling me and trust my body. There's a little thing called intuitive eating. All right. I'm not going to go too far into this because Anna and Meg are registered dietitians, and they have a whole bunch of letters after their names that I didn't know what they stood for, so they give themselves little intros at the beginning here, but they know way more about this than I do, and we had a pretty riveting conversation about what body positivity even means, and how we can do more than like post a picture and hashtag it, but really show up uh, in the world for ourselves, for our kiddos, send messages and lay a foundation for them that can serve them for a lifetime. They're always watching and they're always listening. And if we can get in the habit of this and we can really change our thoughts and our approach and our mindset here, our kiddos will follow. So without further ado, let's dive in. Hey everyone welcome to voices of your village today we are here to talk about hot topic body positivity specifically in our little mama community but really across the board this is something that's been very trendy on instagram these days and i'm excited to dive into it i have two guests today today i'm here with anna sweeney and meg schreer both of whom have a lot of letters next to their name that I don't know what they mean. So I'm gonna let them introduce themselves. And Anna, can you kickstart us? Absolutely, I'd love to.
1: Hi, everybody. Um, My name is Anna Sweeney. I am a registered dietitian, a certified eating disorder registered dietitian. Um, I am an intuitive eating counselor and a body image expert. I will also say that I am a human who lives in a disabled body. So I bring another layer to this conversation. I have lots of feelings about what body positivity is and what it is not. And I am delighted to be here to talk to you guys today. Thanks,
0: Anna. Welcome. The next one is going to introduce herself. I've known for a little while now. She was the first person I met when I got to Boston, and I got to nanny, her little babe, who's not a little babe anymore, as I finished my master's. Hey, Meg. Hi, Liz.
2: Um, My name is Meg Steffi-Schreer. I am also a registered dietitian, mom of two, a five and two-year-old, Uh, I also am a certified sports dietitian and really passionate about the way we talk to our children about our bodies, Um, the importance of how our words as parents mean so much and how they can be really hard um, to navigate what to say, how to say it, and how to make a more positive relationship with our food and body around this ever-growing population of wonderful little nuggets Love that we all have
0: it's actually interesting because one of the like common themes when i put this out to instagram and to facebook one of the common themes was mom specific only moms answered this by the way oh no that's not true one person who is also female and not a mom answered this call um but the common theme among moms was to not have kids grow up with the like challenges that they have but not one person said like because I don't want to feel this way right like not one person was in it because they wanted to have a different body image it was so that their kids didn't which I thought was particularly interesting. I
1: think that's a really fascinating topic and it's something that I hear all the time and not all of the clients that I work with are parents, but many are. Um, And I think a really, an important thing for all of us to think about is the fact that all of our stories are far more than just about kind of what has happened to us, right? Like I am affected by what happened to my mom and her relationship with her body and my mom's relationship with her body was related to her mom's relationship with her body. And so it's impossible to think that we are not going to um, have the next generation be affected by what has happened kind of to and with us. And I think it's really wonderful that you have so many people who are interested in hearing about, like, how do I protect my kid from this thing? And not at all surprising to hear that people are saying, how do I protect my kid from this thing that I definitely have? Because like, we all have bodies, which means we all have relationships to our bodies. Um, and it doesn't mean that anything is deficient. I, in fact, I think it's really important when families when moms, when, when humans are able to acknowledge like, hey, this is my stuff. And I want to make sure that my stuff is not necessarily even tidy enough so that it doesn't spill over but that I feel you know I feel comfortable with it and that I have a supportive network of people around me so that if I'm not feeling okay I can still talk about it and be that like validated and heard
0: yeah I love that and I think that's what's kind of happening on social media these days right is that people can put it out there and then uh, it you are validated, not gonna lie, you still get some hate. There's still some hate that happens all the time um, but but it it is validating. A lot of people are saying me too to this and, and showing up. uh I have a just genuine question that came in, and I was like that's a great question. What is healthy eating was the question
2: that came in. So can I start with saying that I don't like that word anymore as much as Bobby. <laughs> Yeah. Like what does that mean and how does that make us feel good about ourselves? to be like, I ate healthy today and then I didn't. So I feel like no swear word here too <laughs> about myself, you know, like that, that is the thing that we think of versus like this is going to nourish me and this is going to make me feel good in my body. And guess what? Everyone is different. I talk a lot about this a lot with my clients and, and even friends is like, What nourishes your body and also depending on your body and what you can digest and what you can consume and also like is very different than the person sitting next to you. And that's okay. That has nothing to do with healthy. That has to do with how we can take in food and use it to nourish our body and soul. Um, A big thing I've been working on recently to kind of preemptively think about those, you know, large holidays coming is what brings you joy. And it doesn't matter what. (laughs) (laughs) That's my answer. Yeah, I would say peanut butter Snickers. So you know, different, (laughs) but and that's okay, right? And peanut butter Snickers, they are swear wood good. (laughs) 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 You know, but that that is different for everyone, and that's okay. And that has nothing to do with the word healthy. Mm -hmm. What fuels our body and what feels good is a really interesting way to look at it. And does like eating pounds or not pounds, but like, you know, large majorities of food that doesn't make our feel good going to make us feel good? Or is having four plates of vegetables going to make us feel good?
0: I think that's an important, like a nice way to look at it, right? Like an important (laughs) way to look at it of like, for me, I'm like, what I, what I want to eat and what it might make myself feel good, what make my body feel good are, are usually different.
1: Those I, are usually I, different, but I and I think that it's a really interesting thing, though, because when we're talking about like kind of like quote unquote healthy, that is absolutely a word that diet culture has co opted, and like it's not that we haven't like only we've only recently started saying the word healthy, um, mm-hmm. but there is so much judgment about what that means, and so right now, like 2018, we're talking about like kale and like it used to be coconut chips. I don't know where those went. Like they were popular a lot last year. It's um, beans. Beans
2: it, are very it, big right now.
1: Right. Because legumes are brand new foods. <laughs> um, it, it's But it's so, it's so fascinating, right? We have this idea that there are these very specific kind of broad range foods that are healthy or unhealthy. And we're really disconnecting the fact from, or we're disconnecting ourselves from the fact that like, our bodies, every single one of our bodies is going to tell us what is healthy, right? I might say, so like, I love Oreo cookies. No, like no shame in my game. I love Oreo cookies. If I get up in the morning and I have Oreo cookies for breakfast, that might be an awesome breakfast. But if I say I'm only eating Oreos today, I'm going to have Oreos for morning snack. I might still be like, oh, this, this is cool. And by lunchtime, I'm like, these Oreo cookies are like a lot less interesting than they were and I'm probably not going to feel great and I'm going to be tired. And by the end of the day, I'm going to feel like no swear word poo. And that is not a judgment, right? That's not because I've eaten unhealthfully. It's because my body needs variety. And if we jump way back from the judgment of it all, That is not, I mean, it it really has nothing to do with somebody designating Oreos as healthy or not healthy. It's, I've connected to my body enough to know that like this feels right or this doesn't
0: feel right. I a thousand percent hear that
2: and I dig it. Um, because You're going to say but, you're going to say but right now.
0: No, no, I'm not, I'm not going to say but. (laughs) It's because I, I think, I think it can play into so many different contexts, right? Like if it wasn't Oreos, that's how I feel about like eating a salad. Like I couldn't eat a salad for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, right? I could do it for breakfast. Maybe I could also do something like that for lunch. Probably not. And so I think it translates across the board, not just for like
2: the sweet things that we would want to.
1: Right. And that's just about all all foods. Like we we want variety.
2: Right. But I guess my part of this, Alyssa, would say like think of people that are pregnant and how their body, it's a time where people listen to their body. So I don't know if you remember these stories, but for for me, I had this obsession with coconut and pumpkin when I was pregnant with Maddie. That was real. Coconut, pumpkin, anything was a thing. But you know what I'm thinking about too, as a dietitian in me, is like, what is my body asking for here? Why? Well, it needs more fat right? It needs those nutrients that are in pumpkins. So, you know, good, um, water soluble, uh, vegetables, I've, that, vitamins and minerals. Like there are parts of my body that are asking. So it is a time where moms, um, not to just say moms only have, you know, mm-hmm. times where they're listening, right. but I have found even for patients, they listen when they're pregnant more to what their body is asking for. Mm. And it's an interesting to think that that time is okay to listen, but at other times we don't listen.
0: Well, I think it comes back to like appearance, right? That there's almost this space where you're allowed to be putting on weight, right? I know. I know. I knew I was going to get a reaction like that, but I think that that's where it comes from, right? That there's this allowance that you give yourself to be like, well, I don't, my body is changing and doing something else. So it's okay if I listen to it all. Like, and take in whatever I want to take in based off of that. Does that make sense? Like, I think that's where it comes from. I'm not saying it's great. I'm just saying I think that's where it comes from.
2: Totally. Yeah. But if you think about it and take a step back and say, wow, when I'm pregnant, I let myself listen to my totally. body's needs and wants. What would it be like to do it every day? And how would that bring joy and happiness to my day in a different way versus stress of food, how would that be for my body? And that's like trickle into our, my body image.
0: Right. Right. Well, I think it comes back also to like self-awareness, like being able to note, how do I feel when I eat this thing? Right. Like, if I I start my day every morning with a smoothie, I would drink every meal if I could. And Zach makes them in the morning. I go down and work out. I come back up and it's in the fridge and I love it. I absolutely love it. I I, I literally could have the same one every day. He switches it up because he can't. But I also started, I noticed that when I have it, A, I enjoy it. And B, I'm really not hungry for a few hours. Whereas before I was like snacking because I would eat, random breakfast foods I could grab and then go to my computer. Right. And, uh, but it took self-awareness to be like, Oh, how do I feel? And what we've tweaked it as we've gone, right? Like what else could we add to it? Things like that. Uh, but there's a level of self-awareness I think we have to have. Did you know that I created a sleep course? Yep. All of the knowledge that I have about sleep science, child development, and all the things about this, all the information that goes into my sleep presentations and that I bring to a sleep consult, everything is in this sleep course called Active Kiddos, Sleepy Parents, because duh, and I'm giving it all to you. I'm giving it to my email list, though, first. Those folks are gonna have first dibs on this course for an introductory price. And the first 25 people get a $50 discount off of the course. If you wanna be one of the first 25 people to snag this course at that special price, come join our email list right now. seedandsew.org, come join the village. I'll slide into your inbox with a hot deal so that you can set your kiddos up for success for a lifetime when it comes to snoozing. Not to mention, we're all better at responding to these tiny humans when we aren't sleep deprived. Sleep is crucial for immune support and development and our emotional support. So come on over, join the email list, be one of the first people to snag this course when it launches at the end of January. Can't wait to see you there. So, this one was dicey, guys. i we talked about the haters. they exist, but I got two one hater comment and then one non hater comment that I think went hand in hand here. The hater comment hater was,
3: first yeah,
0: hater first for sure. The hater comment was it verbatim, body positivity is just accepting unhealthy and overweight people. okay This was the comment, and then I got a mom comment that said. Well, she, it was too, it was convoluted. She said, why do some people have cellulite and some people don't? That was her, that was a question. And then she said, am I really just accepting that fat on my body if I accept my cellulite? I was like, these I think are paired thoughts.
1: Do you want it, Meg, or do you want me, to get it, want me to go? You start and then I'll, I'll go in. So I am actually going to probably do a disservice to this, but the body positivity movement did actually start in the context of making spaces for people who lived in larger bodies or people who lived in fat bodies um, and making that, I mean, that fact of life that there is a diverse pool of, like body diversity is actually a thing and it's supposed to be a thing. That is how body positivity started. The movement has been co-opted. And so now, hashtag BoPo is a thing and it's (laughs) utilized everybody's laughing at me right now
0: (laughs) i've never heard that actually
1: well body okay hashtag body positivity (laughs) like it's everywhere um i i actually really personally am not a huge fan of the concept not not the concept itself because i think originally it was about making space for for bodies that were included right we we don't All live in one body, and it's never going to be the way that you know diet culture suggests that there's only one shape and size we're supposed to be. And to suggest that body positivity is just about making space and giving permission for people to live in large bodies, to be really fair and direct, that's true. That is the whole point of it, right? Like we are not supposed. We're really like body diversity is factual. And it's the same thing. Like, you're not going to yell at your child because they wear a size three and not a size five shoe. Like, it, this is body diversity. Some people have brown eyes, some people have blue eyes. Um, some people are large, some people are small. What the research shows us over and over and over again is that when we actually take care of our bodies, when we are being thoughtfully cared for by the people around us, body shape and size is so secondary to everything else when it comes to like the importance of well like i mean health health just in general is not largely affected by body shape and size which is not what mass media tells us um but the research could not be more clear that people can be healthy and be in any they can actually be in any body Like, self-care practices are not exclusively for people who live in thin thin bodies. It's just
3: not, that's just not a real thing. Hi there. I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade.
4: I know that raising a Differently Wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.
2: To take a step back and say like to a mom that's like, is this all saying that I have to like my body all the time? And that like my cellulite all the time and feel comfortable in my body all the time. The reality is that's not true. <laughs> that's not, you know, we don't walk around as practitioners being like, "Today is a good day and I love every part of my body all the time. I mean, we're amazing, right? Oh. We're amazing people and we do amazing things, both Anna and I, totally, like to promote this, but it's not a reality to say, we feel great about our bodies all the time and that this is awesome, you know? Whether we are um, going around as parents and feeling that comfort all the time, to say that that's going to happen all the time is not true. But to say, what would it feel like to feel stronger in my own body? You know, one of the things I like to talk about with, with patients and overall is like, what would it feel like for you to say to yourself, wow, um, I'm going to get up today and I'm going to say three things about myself that I really like today and what would that be or you know i work with a lot of athletes like what does my body do for me versus i hate this this and this because i this is why i hate it mm-hmm. like when you think of the positivity of that just in general for you and your brain when we sit here and think about all these negative things versus positive things you can literally change some of the chemistry and receptors in your brain from those positive kind of like thinking of those likes on instagram mm. right Or
0: or the tiny human discussion we have all the time, right? Like reframing is so huge.
1: Body positivity and like just body image period. This is not at all about saying that we are going to say, I love my body every single day. Body image work is largely about saying, I acknowledge that this is my body and I am going to think about the other things think about my values think about what matters to me on this planet as a human um, and have that be the thing that is more important than my relationship to my body it doesn't mean that we are always going to feel awesome because that's not that's not realistic we have bodies that will literally change like tomorrow my body will be different than my body today Aging is a normal part of you know living and so i think it's really fascinating to think about even thinking about the way that um pregnancy is kind of depicted as and i am not a, i have had no children but thinking about um my friends and colleagues who have had babies recently the difference between what um pregnancy and postpartum looks like like in movies as compared to what it is like in real life and like diapers like I didn't know that that was a thing until I had friends that were having babies because it's like the stork comes and there's this like beautiful situation. And then like mom looks exactly like she did the day before she had a kid, the day after she had her child. And like that is a thousand percent unrealistic for 99.9% of the population, right? Like that's an exceptionally unrealistic expectation. And it's really sad that that is like kind of a goal or an objective that we're holding up for ourselves.
2: Or like the one I think that I hear a lot and I see, and I hear moms talking about it is that I'm supposed to be something as fast as possible. Or like I have a year and if I didn't meet my goal of looking different in a year, then I'm bad. And Mm -hmm. then I, I, that I, that I suck and all that in between. And like, what does that do for us? You know, the the thing that is I have to meet certain goals that are pre-baby, post-baby. I think it's just hard as a human being to say that that's what you're going to do or is any of that going to bring you joy and make you feel good about yourself?
0: Yeah, I had one, uh, I was reading an Instagram post the other day of somebody who's po- freshly postpartum and posted about a dress that she was wearing and she was like, it's so figure flattering. And by that, she meant like, she couldn't see her postpartum belly. And I was like, Ooh, hmm, that's, that's all a part of your figure. That's a part of your body, right? And like, I don't, I, I think so much of it is just ingrained. But what I'm curious about is like, how do we rewrite that narrative, right? An anecdote from today I was packing, we're going to New York City uh, for Zach's birthday this weekend. I'm going to go see Tenacious D. And he, I went to put on the first three pairs of jeans I went to pull out and put on. Every single one of them, they didn't fit in one way or another. I was either like doing lunges to try and get into these jeans or the like, you know, the like pull and squeeze button thing. And I, there was like a thought that honestly went into my head where I was like, well, you should have to wear these because maybe, and like, it just went negative fast. Like I was going to punish myself and make myself uncomfortable for the weekend to wear these jeans because they don't fit it anymore. And that's my, whatever, this whole narrative. And I was like, whoa uh, nope. And, but I had to like intentionally rewrite that narrative and be like, no, you get to be comfortable. You uh, like get to wear something that you feel comfortable in. But the, that was not my initial thought. And so what I'm curious about is like, how do we rewrite this narrative? So
1: for me, I think it really, I, I think a lot of my clients have found a lot of value in really recognizing And I'm going to just kind of use this as like ubiquitous diet culture, just like naming it as, as naming it as diet culture. If there's something that is supposed to suggest that like you're supposed to hide this body that just brought another human onto the planet, like a changed body, this is evidence of life, right? We're here, we're, we're like living and we are supposed to change, But for my clients, it has been very helpful when they're able to notice like, oh, that's diet culture chatter or like this is something that is imposing some belief about the way that my body is supposed to look. And even just noticing it and separating it from themselves, that is a really powerful experience. Being able to say, this is me, this is what I'm reading, this is what I'm hearing, this is what I'm learning, whatever. Um, I have a choice about whether or not I'm going to go there or not.
0: I love that. Well, and I think that that's a powerful thing to be teaching our kids too, right? Like to be making them aware of the messaging that they're going to see because we could be as body positive in the household as possible, but they're still going to be exposed to an entire world of shaming and and teaching them to like read between the lines of that. Although it made me think of that Jennifer Garner quote when she was on Ellen, I don't know, it was like four years ago or something. But somebody, she was like, so it turns out that, like, I have a baby bump. She's like, I just want to clarify, I do. I had three kids. That bump's not going anywhere. That is my new permanent baby bump. I'm not pregnant. <laughs> I, I, but it's just real and honest and needs to be out there more. Mike, do you have anything you want to add or you feel
2: like? Been- so I guess what I would say is when it comes to, like, the pants and, and that happens for parents and non-parents, there are cycles of our body that change and that's okay. And what is it to feel like that's, you know, and I think that's a hard thing to say, like, wow, these pants don't fit. That's okay. Part of you is like, that's a bit of a bummer, right? That is a pair of pants. Like that is, but it's also okay. And to go back to you saying, I want to wear these all weekend to be comfortable or to be uncomfortable. My question would to you and to lots of other people who would probably think the same thing. Why?
0: Oh yeah. It was like a punishment to myself, right? Like you got yourself here enjoy that sister and obviously I had to rewrite that mostly because I'm not gonna hang out in in that space but yeah no it's like a punishment to myself like you did this to yourself enjoy it Mm -hmm. luckily I do really love shopping so I put those in a goodwill bag so it is three new jeans coming at you that's right. I actually just bought a pair of anthro this morning <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nothing to see here. Yeah, no, I uh, I I think the why is this like punishment for having done something. Right. And I think it's the same when we came out of like vacation this summer and was like, whoa, <laughs> I didn't feel good. Right. Like I was like, I have eaten a bunch of stuff that did not make me feel good for a straight week. And now I really don't feel good. And it was, it, I, I noticed a difference this year in that, like, I was focused on how I felt and then was excited to, like, get back to moving my body and eating our, my, like, normal food. Whereas in the past, it would have been, like, I wonder how much way to put on in that vacation, right? Like, just the switch of, of verbiage in, in your head.
2: But think of how strong that is to think versus, like, I went on vacation And I maybe wasn't listening to my body cues during that. I was listening to my brain being like, let's do this. Because I don't know about you. I love potato chips all the time. But somehow in the summer, they taste better. They just do. And that's okay. But is having potato chips all the time like great for my Crohn's body? No. Right? And listening to my cues to be like, not all the time is having tons of potato chips going to be great great to say it that way, but also listening to your body enough to be like, I I just, I think it's really hard to say like the, I went on vacation and everything's going to be different. And now I'm going to restrict, which is what I hear a lot of people Mm do. Mm So like kind of everyone checking themselves a little bit, like I'm back from vacation and now I must restrict and and exercise and eat everything a certain way. And that's going to make me better. Mm -hmm. where that's just going to be the vicious cycle right Right. okay i'm going to restrict and then i'm going to eat a lot more at night or i'm it's going to happen later or i'm Mm going to go on vacation like what would it feel like to have a happier medium yeah would be my only other thing
0: no for sure well and uh For me, it was like, I was excited to get back into my routine, right? Like on vacation, I did
2: not, I didn't even bring
0: shoes to work out. Like I've done it in years past and it hasn't happened. So I was like, I'm not even going to kid myself and take up that suitcase room. Uh, And I I wouldn't, I wake up and I'm with the tiny humans from morning till night. And that brings me joy. And, but I was like, Ooh, I felt it differently this I like felt it. I was felt it from like a, I don't feel good perspective this year. So bad.
1: like in a way that you would think about bringing sneaks next time you go on vacation or in a way that it felt like, okay, that like, okay. So this
0: week I was off and yeah. In a way that it, I was just like, yeah, yeah, no, I don't, I still don't plan to bring the sneaks to be honest. Uh, <laughs> I was just like, yeah, I had a lot of fun with my family and eight foods. We also, I have a giant family of four brothers and a billion folks. And so when we go on vacation, there's like 25 of us in a house and we rotate who does dinner and whatever. And so I'm just eating whatever's provided. It's all just different than our norm. And that just is what it is. <laughs> I'm fortunate to not have any allergies. So I guess that plays a role too. Mm. Uh, and I have a question specifically for you. Shoot in the body positive movement, what effect do you think it's having for people of different abilities or that use any sort of assistive devices?
1: Um, to be honest with you, I don't really feel like I fit in the body positive movement. I think that, there, and I think it's really tough because a lot of my clients, like body positivity means acceptance, which means resignation, which means I'm just like, so like going back to the cellulite question. Uh So like, I think there's this idea that body positivity, and I'm sorry that I'm off kilter and not talking about the disability part, but I will get back there. I promise. Um, the idea that body positivity means that like, we love all of these things. We love all of these parts of ourselves. it doesn't necessarily. It doesn't mean that, right? It doesn't mean that we're gonna love, and that we've all said this like a million times over. To be quite frank with you, so I am not. So I was not born with a disability. I have a disease, and I have become progressively more disabled. Um, I I don't feel particularly welcome in the body positivity movement. But that's also because I don't really care for the body positivity movement. I am more about body acceptance. I am far more about like owning that this is mine. And acceptance is a really hard thing to say for a lot of my clients. And I I actually want to talk about this because I think some of your listeners might experience the same thing. I I have a client who is dealing with a lifelong eating disorder that has been under the guise of her living in a large body from the time that she came onto this planet. She's dieted for a billion and a half years. And when she finally got pregnant, she finally gave herself permission to actually listen to what her body was saying. and in that time, she gained quite a lot of weight and now lives in a larger body and she's pregnant again, which is super exciting. and she's terrified that because now she lives in this larger body that she's going to have to tolerate you know this body changing again. and it is so sad sad right? That like we aren't celebrating that she's having a kid, but we're instead like doing some mourning work about what it means to let go of this idea of this idealized body. I am never going to have a body that some stranger on the street is gonna be like, Oh, I well, I do live within privilege, so someone might look at me and be like, Oh, I want that body. But the second they see me moving, they're like, uh, peace, just change my mind. I am on an adventure in which my my journey is much more about accepting what is, and acceptance doesn't mean that I love it, right? Like would I trade twenty years of MS for like not having multiple sclerosis for a couple decades? Yes. Would I rather not be disabled? On some days, totally. But on a lot of days, like I'm okay And I'm okay in this body in ways that I actually never ever ever expected that I would be able to be. And that came after lots of grieving and like, leg- like legitimate grief work about what it means to live in this body, letting go of this idealized picture of what I expected my life to look like or my body to look like. Um, I think we have to let go of all of these attachments to like the, the expectations. That just sets us up for pain.
0: I think that's huge. And again, I think it comes back to self-awareness of like tapping into what is my expectation? What did I expect to have happen? Because you can't mourn that until you know that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's huge. So for folks who are not in a place of acceptance yet, what words would you want to send them? What message would you want them to hear or place to start?
5: I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy.
6: Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff.
2: Take a deep breath would be the first thing I'd say, you know, to be, especially because I know there's a lot of parents that listen to this, but to take a deep breath and say, take one step at a time, um, the way you feel about your body and the relationship with your food is a moving thing. And even saying to yourself, I'm going to take a deep breath and go, hear what you're saying out loud versus just to say it, um, would be something that I think could be really powerful. And I don't think that people do it as much when it comes to, People are so careful with their words right now, more than I think they've ever been. And, you know, I live in Massachusetts, so there's that, but they're not as careful when it comes to food and body. Nope. So, you know, in my office and I work with a lot of, um, interesting people most of the time and, um, there are people that, you know, I walk into an office and there's donuts and they're like, oh, Meg's here. She's going to judge. And I would say, I'm not a food judger, I'm a food promoter. And they're like, what does that mean? And I'm like, have your donut. Maybe I'm not, you're not going to have it. And again, I work with division one athletes, but maybe you're not going to have a donut right before you get on the field. But if the donut brings you joy, have that donut. So kind of taking a step back and like, I try to say, saying things like that. And also to the To children, like the whole thing with Halloween and everything that's happened this week. And I had a lot of parents, you know, freak out and come to me and be like, what do I say? What do I do? And I said, it's candy or in our house, it's called candy, (laughs) candy, candy. And you know, there is a bit of this that is unicorn like, and, um, you know, Halloween to me is like a big, big unicorn, right? There's, which is why I brought this. (laughs) <laughs> of yes. not wearing
0: a unicorn headband
2: you know but it's candy and it's okay to enjoy candy and to not put a limit on anything but candy's here all the time it's just more on a on a day but candy's around and we're gonna have it and there's some candy that's really good that tastes good and there's some candy I don't know about you but like I don't love Twizzlers. so not a candy that brings me joy peanut butter Snickers joy we'd be and having a candy our, swap we would we would I'd eat those Twizzlers all day. But taking a step back and being like, I'm not going to try to stress about my kids' candy intake, but I'm going to let them listen to their bodies a little bit and let them have candy or not make a big deal. So there's no discussions in our house. And again, everyone's house is different. This is not a judgment, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: but there's
2: no discussions about limits or kinds or what we're going to do on Halloween. They have candy. They usually just like put it on the shelf when they're done and then we walk away. There's no comments about anything Mm -hmm. because to me, I don't want there to be stress around food Mm
5: -hmm. because I grew up in a house
2: where there's like stress around food or like, you know, clean plate club and stuff like that. And Mm -hmm. the last thing I want to do is give my kids stress about any food. I might say, you know, listen to your bodies. How do your bodies feel right now? But I'm not going to judge their food. That was my question
0: was like, how do we teach them again? But listen to your bodies, I think is great. Uh, We were going into my grandma's birthday party this summer. And as before we went in, We know, we're in the car, a little pre-teaching action. Um, My sister-in-law said to the twins, they are five. um, She was like, there's going to be a lot of different stuff out. Again, I have this giant family. There were like 50 some people there. And she's like, there's going to be food everywhere. You guys can play, you can eat, you can drink kind of whenever you want. It's going to be an all day thing. She's like, you don't have to come ask us if you need lunch or whatever. She's like, you can feel free to serve yourself, do whatever. There's no schedule for today. But think about it. Like if you want to go and play, what's going to make your body have energy and feel good to go play with your cousins? And that was it. I was like, I think I like that.
2: (laughs) I like that a lot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like think about your day. Mm -hmm. You know, I grew up in a house where there was clean plate club and everything in between. And you need to eat this or not eat this and all that. And my thing, you know, for my house is like, this is also like, this is what we're going to have. And this is what it is. And sometimes there's dessert on the table with the meal and you can decide whether you want it or not, but there's no comments about food. Right. Just to kind of take the stress away. Guess what though? From everyone. Right. right there's no comments about food for everyone at the table right and that part can be really strong and it's interesting to take a second at a table and to hear what your kids say about food right um last night we served <laughs> soup and i only had rice noodles this is like a this is like a good example of thinking about it and so i put large think think everyone large large rice noodles didn't think to cut them for my 2 year old sure. into the bowls like what literally anything I had in the fridge with soup broth because we had no food. And so I'm putting these rice noodles and I put it in front of them and I'm sitting down with them and both children were like, mom, um, like with this and like, just what? Um, how do I do this? And what do I do? And I was like, well, we're going to do this all together. And let's like think about how does this make our body feel to eat these noodles that mommy did not cut and <laughs> didn't think about. And they were everywhere also. Like mm-hmm. I'm still finding them underneath the table as well as other parts of the soup. But that part of like a meal bringing silliness to the table, where I find a lot of parents that I've worked with um, as clients, as well as just going into people's houses, the stress around a meal and food.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: And if we just take a step back and be like, this is going to happen, let's have a little fun with it. That also kind of decreases the stress around food at a table, which can be stressful for mom and dad, as well as the kids.
0: Will you speak for a second to the, like, have to have your healthy food before the, the sweet thing, tiny human from a, from a parent perspective, right? This is a common thing. They can't have this until they have this.
2: Yeah. So, um, that is not the way that I personally, um, practice when I when I work with families or at my own house, um, the food is at the table sometimes because mom, sometimes as a mom, I walk in and like, we're rushing to sit down to like a a strong dinner. But also I'm thinking in terms of not thinking about like the meal and maybe dessert happens. And I put it on the plate afterwards, just because I'm trying to get food on the table. But most of the time, the food is out on the table and you can decide what you have. This is where like, I find cutting boards to be really helpful. Where I just put a lot of food on the table on cutting boards, whether it be cheese and apples and chips or um, different fruits and vegetables, so that we all can share. And then we all have like our plate of whatever. So that no, there's come to your house. Yeah, right? it,
0: I, oh, dinner at Meg's. That was one of the best nanny perks. <laughs> I'd be like, can I? I'm just gonna stay. I'm just gonna stay for dinner. I would.
2: So like, there's no stress about when we're going to eat something or when not, but also thinking in terms of like, sometimes desserts come at the end of the meal is okay too, depending on the schedule, but not that you have to eat something to get something else.
0: So what happens if your kid's like, well, I'm never eating a vegetable for three years, not touching them.
2: So that is really, that sounds really hard for the parent. Um, I can understand. I have seen in practice, but also seen in research that just because a kid has decided, and I hear a lot of strong will in this child, that because they're not going to eat a vegetable doesn't mean they're always not going to eat a vegetable. Sometimes it also goes into what's happening in their body and their brain. And is it the vegetable or is it actually the feeling of the food in their mouth?
0: And you can tune into our sensory episode with Lori Goodrich about all that jazz. <laughs> she went into everything about eating and the sensory system.
2: So uh, there, there are definitely foods that cause a lot of weird feelings in mouth. Um, you know, and thinking about the full concept, I, I would say with a kid like that, and I've worked with families like that, take a step back because be like, wow, I am really stressed about this situation as a parent. Is that really helping me? Or is that helping the kid?
1: So I have a resource that I'm going to recommend. There's a book called Born to Eat by Wendy Jo Peterson and Leslie Schilling, um, both wonderful dietitians. But this book has gotten a lot of really wonderful acclaim. And I, I read it again, not because I have babies of my own, but because I have clients that have babies of their own. Um, and I think, Meg, you hit this on the head, like – the way you choose to parent your child is entirely your choice. There's not one right way to do it and there's not a wrong way to do it. And I think there are things that we can do to protect our kids with regard to the way that we navigate and interact with food. I think that there are things that will, similar to what I was saying before about the fact that like my mom's relationship with her body is related to her grandmother's relationship to her body same thing with food. So my having a neutral relationship with my body and with food, I would hope would translate into my children having neutral relationships with food. And that isn't often the case. We live in a culture right now, diet culture is so big and so loud and body trust is, I would say more exceptional than normative, which is really sad for me. Uh, but because that is the case, what I have found over and over again, and again, I'm I'm not a parent, so I, so I apologize for speaking potentially out of turn. But like, even if a kid doesn't eat a vegetable for three years, the odds of them developing scurvy are like zero. If you are feeding them a wide variety of foods, like it's about exposing and providing options and like not losing your head because your kid is refusing to eat mushrooms like it's just not it's it's actually just because not because
2: mushrooms deal. are disgusting but i love
1: them <laughs> as a child i hated them i like now i can't oh. get enough but like they were so slippery and weird yeah oh. okay meg so
2: sorry 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 <laughs>
1: We still have strong feelings about food. It's okay. We're not supposed to necessarily be neutral about everything.
0: <laughs> True. I dig that. Also, that book was recommended by Lori in the sensory right. episode as well. Right. Yeah, it's on the blog post. We'll link to it again here. On that note, are there any other resources that you guys would recommend? And also, if you could note where folks can contact you, get in touch with you, follow along your journeys, etc.
1: So, I don't have any other resources that are organized resources that I can think about right now. But the only thing that I wish for your listeners to really hear um, is the fact that you get to be the curator of your own media. And so, when I think about like Instagram, I don't see the garbage that my clients see, but it's because they don't follow garbage. Things, um, and so I feel I feel really neutrally. I, recently, I've gotten like a lot of goop things, and by the way, goop is nonsense.
0: Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, for sure,
1: not not a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you have as as consumers, you get to decide what you listen to. You get to decide what you read. You get to decide who you expose yourself to, and if if generally speaking you leave your social media experience feeling cruddy about yourself, you get to do a social media detox. You can can clear that stuff out and really be thoughtful about the source of media that you're taking in.
0: Yeah. I actually recently posted about this because I recently, recently did one (laughs) where I was like, oh, so, so good. I was following some people who were like, Ooh, how to describe it? It's like perfect parenting, right? Like in a perfect world, everybody's slept, everybody's great, nobody has vomited on you or whatever. Like how are we responding to kids? And I was like, mm. every time, every time they would post, I was like, this is that's not realistic in life. All the time, when I just drove in the car and this kid just peed in the car seat, and now we're supposed to go into this <laughs> space, right? Like happened two Fridays in a row, and and I had to I had to detox. It's so lovely now.
1: So, and going back to that really quickly, you can find me. I'm at Dietitian Anna on Instagram, and I'm killing the Instagram game. I'm just say, <laughs> like you are. I, I, mean, I actually I am. Like I tell people
2: to follow you all the time.
1: Destroyed. It's
0: well, weird. also because it's
2: just it feels
0: real and
1: genuine and
0: authentic. Mm-hmm. I love that. I've enjoyed following you. Meg turned me on to you.
1: Oh, thank you. Oh. Um, yeah, but I'm I'm there, and I'm at Dietitian Anna on Facebook and Twitter but Instagram is really where the party is.
2: <laughs> I think you know that when it comes to food and parent stuff, I find a lot of people ask like who do I follow or what do I do for food and parent pictures on Instagram or things like that. Do you tell them um, seed and so? I do. I do. Great. I do. <laughs> But just to like take a step back and be like, what am I looking for? Really, am I just looking for recipes to make myself, mm-hmm. um, help my family, or am I looking for those perfect families that make me feel like poo? No swear word at myself. You know, take a step back and say, what am I really looking for, and what am I doing? So, um, you know, one of the things I like to do, especially where I live, is to to do presentations for parents, and definitely something that Anna and I are looking into. to talk to parents about food and body but also to take a step back and be like this would be like how you could do it and what it would look like so the same way we're really working on getting that body positivity really when it comes to more food and body thoughts and feelings versus body positivity And then I I have, and I know um, Anna has likely done this as well, you know, how to feed your kids and also kind of take yourself back and be like, this is okay. But also there's a lot of like, what's normal. Um, So that part of it, you can find, Um, there are not a lot, I will say, and I've thought about it, um, where to find more normalized things when it comes to food and body for parents. So it is up here. It might happen, but like what a normal dinner could look like. Cause I have a lot of questions on that or snacks and things like that. Just so people can start to have those thoughts and feelings, um, and less the stress and anxiety that comes from feeding yourself and your family. Um, so I've thought about a social media account about it. No, I have not created it. <laughs> we'll keep it. Yes. <laughs> I have friends that ask for it regularly. <laughs>
0: Uh, well, we also for 2019 see so this is the first announcement of it. We've had a request for like mamas retreat weekends uh, that we're going to be doing, but maybe you guys can be a guest star to so come present with some mamas. Yeah, stay tuned. We would love folks. to do that.
2: We would love to do that.
0: Sorry, like I signed Sorry. Anna up for that. We would love to. I would love it. I love it as long
1: awesome. as it's welcome. And not- I have a dog, so that does not. I'm not a parent, Anna okay
0: so <laughs> come on over join the party
1: Perfect. you you. I you don't
0: have to walk that exact path to offer a support and guidance
1: right. well, thank you. i'm glad yeah I feel so welcome. included this is amazing
2: <laughs> always i love time with you you bring me joy you do so right. I would like to say to, to people when it comes to this, that your journey and this conversation is ongoing and to remember that and to remember that everything is ongoing, but to like, take one second of your day, just one second. And Alyssa would ask for way more than one second to think about things it's usually- sometimes. one second, Yeah. But be- to take one second and say, what would it feel like to not say something unkind to myself today?
0: Well, and you may have already said something unkind, right? You may have done the genes thing and like you can still come back from that. Yeah.
1: Right. And the, kind of the flip to what you just said, Meg, like what would it be like to not say something unkind about myself? What would it be to like actively say something, say the kind things, right? right. And you were talking about that before. So yeah, I love it's that. Both.
0: But I think that there is stigma there too, right? To be like, I'm sexy today. Like not as well received as like, ugh, I feel like poop today.
1: Yeah, but isn't that so messed up? So messed so up. I'm like, not the, saying the it's right, that the, the normative thing is, and, and like it, from like a neurological perspective, it makes so much sense that we remember, right? Like I can go back mm-hmm. to like second grade and remember like really horrible moments and like, oh my God. I remember I was sitting next to Ramsey Nanzel when he said, blah, 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 blah. And I remember like the, you remember the negative things, Mm -hmm. but it is so, so hard for us to remember, like to hang on to the positive. And we remember the negative because like from an um, evolutionary perspective, like from a safety perspective, it made sense for us to remember the negative things so we don't go back there again.
0: For sure. It's literally our body's job, our mind's job to right. remember the trauma or the, the right. peace so that we don't go there.
1: Right. That felt so uncomfortable. So like da 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 And that doesn't mean that we can't write new stories. That doesn't mean that we can't be open to like just being
0: awesome and like owning all of our awesomeness. Totally. I love it. I love it. Anna, Meg. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks for tuning in to Voices of Your Village. Check out the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at voicesofyourvillage.com. Did you know that we have a special community for all of you to be a part of so that we can all gather together to raise emotionally intelligent humans? Head on over to Facebook, search seed and sow: colon voices of your village and dive into that facebook group we cannot wait to hang out with you and collaborate on raising these tiny humans if you're digging this podcast head on over to apple podcasts scroll down click those stars and leave a review it really fills my heart to hear from all of you